as you're turning, and as we think about 2017, as we think about our very lives, how central is the Word of God into your Christian faith? As I was thinking about this concept uh, this past week, I realized that my whole life can be marked by the different Bibles that were mine. Obviously, starting with a children's Bible. All of those pictures, cartoonish as it were. And then you get one of those big black Bibles, you know, they're the hardcover ones that get left in the back seat of the car when you're a kid. You know, you, you, you did the sword drills. Anybody do sword drills when they were a kid? Hold that Bible, someone shout out a reference, and you got to look it up. It was a Bible of my youth till I got a little older. And then I got myself a Schofield reference edition Bible. And uh, my parents bought it for me. And, and what that is, it had some notes in it and tons and tons of cross-references. I had no idea what those were good for when I was a kid, but I had one. <laughs> you know, as I got a little older, you know, uh, the big New American Standard hardback, lots of notes and highlights and little things in it. And as I got a little older, the print got a little bigger. Can I get an amen out there, friends? Huh? Some of you got that big print and the big bold. And now look at my Bible. It's really thin and light. The Bible certainly ought to be central in the life of a Christian. I mean, is not the Bible the very Word of God? Is it not His Word for us? Take a look with me, if you will, in 2 Timothy 3.16. And I'd like you to read it with me. But no mumbling, okay? All right, raise your right hand. I promise, no mumbling. All right, you're in. All right, here we go. Let's read it. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Keep going. Do you see that word complete? It means mature. It means that we require the Word of God in our life if we are to mature in the Christian faith. I mean, the Word of God is central in these things. It is breathed out by God. It is the very words of God. You cannot speak while inhaling, my friends. Every word is an exhale. Okay, go ahead and try. I know, you're thinking, wait a minute, is that possible? <laughs> yeah, it sounds really weird. You can't do it. Don't even try it. All right. But we ought to be studying the Bible, my friends. And it is just, we're two weeks in to the, the new year. And, and there will be a day, and it will come a whole lot quicker that you were halfway through January already, that this year will be over, and you will have the opportunity to think back and ask yourselves this question, what really good did I do with my time? I mean, as you think about resolutions and whether you make them or not, we are building a life. We are investing in something. 
What is it this year that in 11 and a half months you want to be, look back and say, I'm so glad that I invested the time. I hope that prayer and reading and studying the scriptures is a part of that. Think of the understanding you could have in 11 and a half months. Think of the new concepts that you've come across. Think about how you can now engage in others' conversations because now you too know a little bit about that or maybe a little more than you thought you did. My friends, the Word of God is what shows us what is right. It shows us what's not right. It shows us how to get right. And it is really, I would say, impossible to become the fully mature believer in Christ that God is working in and around you to bring you there. But it requires the Word of God. It is the Spirit of God that uses the Word of God in the life of the child of God to conform you to the character of the Son of God. It is the goal of God to do these things. Needs the Bible. I know I'm coming fast and hard already here, friends. But I'll tell you, this stuff matters. What we're talking about here matters. So take a look with me, if you will, as we talk about, and, and it is my goal here, of course, this morning, if it hasn't already been, been obvious here, it is to motivate you to either engage in Bible study or to go a little deeper. Wherever it is you are on the scale, my friends, I want you to go a little further. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at, uh, we're going to answer three questions, three very, very helpful questions to get us started in a life of studying the Scriptures. Going to give you some new ideas here. We're going to lay out a good plan for you. The first question we're going to ask and answer is this, what is Bible study? One of the things I learned early on in my education is when you're going to have a conversation, it's a good idea to define your terms. What are we talking about when we talk about Bible study? Well, I think that involves three aspects. The first aspect of Bible study is seeking understanding. We know what the Bible says, that's where we kick off, but the question must be asked, what does this mean? We're reading through the Psalms and we see that the, the leaves of the fields blow out of their trees are clapping their hands. What in the world is the psalmist talking about? It means we're going to come across metaphors, figures of speech, cultural terms that we don't maybe understand but we've got to understand these things if we are actually studying the Bible. We ask, what does it say? But we have to ask, what does it mean? Unlocking metaphors, looking up those unfamiliar words, and maybe doing a little map search for those unfamiliar places. You know, and the, the key word here in understanding is a word that the, in the Gospel of John, John used very frequent. It's, it's one of the marks of the Gospel of John. He is always explaining things. He uses a term, and then in parenthesis you'll read, John says, which means this. 
is, is an example here. We'll look at uh, just the first chapter of the Gospel of John here. In verse 38, we read this, Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher. I mean, John's making sure that you're following the conversation you know, hey, you may not be familiar with the term rabbi. What does that mean? John says, it means teacher. Well, then you just uh, move down to uh, verse 41, and we find he, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah. And John says, it means the Christ. If you're unfamiliar with the word, I want to give some clarity. It means teacher. You know, we have found the Messiah. It means the Christ. The Christ. Messiah is the Hebrew term. Christ is a Greek word. They both mean the anointed one. And my friends here, in verse 40, 42, you just go down a verse. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John, and you shall be called Cephas. Cephas? What does that mean? We've never even heard that before. So John says, it means Peter. You know, and I'll tell you, if you, if you go to Bible school or, or, or seminary, you'll have a class that is, is called, the word that we translate means it's called hermeneutics, hermeneutics. The verb is hermeneuo, and, and it just, it literally is, is the, the learning the skill of, of understanding, translating from something that is difficult into making it simple. It, it, is, it is the essence of, of this little image that I have in my wall in my study of Einstein who says this, if you can't say it simply, you don't understand it well enough. You know, when I was a young believer, one of the things that I did is, is I would take a section of Scripture and I would try and put it in my own words. You know, and, and as I did that, I would realize there are some terms I don't know how to put in my own words because I didn't understand them. And so, friends, if you're studying the Bible, and notice I'm using the word study, not read. You know, reading, let's face it, it, it turns into skimming, turns into, wait, what was that? What did I just read? I just skimmed right over it. I don't even know what was there. You know what I'm talking about, Right? It happens. The intention is good. I want to read. I want to enjoy. I want to study. I want to be enlightened about these things. But friends, unless you slow it down to seek understanding, reading the Bible can be nothing more than checking a box. Well, I did it. God's good with me now. Friends, if we don't gain understanding for it, what's the point and so studying involves certainly primarily seeking understanding, not just going through and plowing through content. We want to bring understanding. But there's another one, and I think this is too often missed. Another aspect of, of study, studying is, is growing in appreciation of something. You, you know what I'm talking about? You're reading through this. You know, and, and you're learning something about God's attributes. And maybe it's stated in a certain way or illustrated in this, this particular means, and you're blown away by it. And you get out of your desk or from out of your bed, and you're like, John, you've got to see this stuff here, you know? Have you ever done that? 
I mean, I remember hearing about D.L. Moody. This is what his studies of the scripture were like. Why it gave him so much passion. You know, the, 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 the story is told how he was studying about grace. And he was overwhelmed by the grace of God, thinking how incredible this is, that God is a God of grace to people like me and you. And he jumped out of his study, and nobody was in the house. So he ran out of the street, saw the first person he found, and said, what do you know about grace? Have you ever been excited about something you've learned in the Scripture? So excited, you just had to share it with someone else. You know, the Apostle Paul was like that too. You know, when you're reading through uh, Paul's letters, you know, he he comes across, you know, talking about this doctrine and what God is doing and what he's promised, and and he's so overwhelmed, he busts out in praise. I mean, sometimes you read through it and you're like, what is this, a musical? You know, have you ever seen a musical? You know, they're, they're talking about life and maybe we should get married and suddenly they're dancing and singing, you know? It's like, that'd be cool if life was like that. But Romans, uh, uh, Romans is a perfect example of it. I mean, in Romans, Paul is writing, it is such a doctrinally rich book about God, about his plans, his purposes, his providence. He's talking about the salvation of the Jews and the workings among the Gentiles. And you get to the end of the chapter, and, and Paul's like, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And he is overwhelmed by the truth. Friends, if that isn't your experience in reading the Bible, you need to slow down. There's some good stuff in there. Melanie could stand up and testify of how many times she was interrupted in her work at the office by, Melanie, you got to look at this. Look at this. Can you even believe this? You know, Emily got a taste of it here on Friday. You know, I walked in, drop everything you're doing. You got to see this, you know, and I mean, there's some really great stuff. And, And my friend is, I fear that you're missing it. If your goal is just to read the four chapters, check the box, and wait till tomorrow, oh, you're missing out. Like going out at a date, you know, said hi, opened the door, you know, yeah, I had a great date, look at all the boxes I checked, you know, I did all that, that list of things, you know. Friends, we're talking about a relationship here. God has written amazing, amazing truths to us that we might know him, that we might know ourselves, we might understand this world and what it's all about. So my friends, your study ought to be primarily seeking understanding, resulting in growing appreciation of what God has written to us about the very God who wrote it for us. Wow. So how do we do it? Seek understanding, growing in appreciation, and certainly, finally here, applying it. If your Bible study ends with the last word and you close the Bible and get on with your life, you've missed out. Because part of understanding the Word of God is living out the Word of God. 
It is reading what God has called us to do or to be, to forgive those who have hurt us deeply. To go and talk to people who are not like us about Jesus. You know, it's, it, the goal of study is to be changed by it. I mean, that's the reason God wrote it. Not just so that we are smart or knowledgeable, but that we're transformed applying it, living it out. I mean, forgiving, again, someone who's hurt you, pleading with someone over tears to repent, to come to Jesus. I mean, have you, when's the last time you stood at a crossroad and you knew exactly what it is that God wanted you to do? The Spirit of God made it abundantly clear. It's everywhere you read, everywhere you look. Spirit of God keeps reminding you of those scriptures you've studied that have now become a part of your memory and your thoughts. And you've got to make a choice between what you know is right and what your heart longs to do. Friends, this is the essence of Christianity is the wrestling and choosing God, choosing his way. And you'll never know that way if you're not studying the scriptures. I mean, friends, we're talking about lifetime past to Disney World kind of stuff here, okay? I'm saying the good stuff is right there available to you. You just need to avail yourself of it. Again, the goal is not to get through your reading plan. If you have a reading plan, that's a great idea, and I commend you if you stick with it. But friends, do more than just read it. Seek understanding, and don't walk away from the book without knowing exactly what you must do in light of what you just read. Wow. You don't understand it if you don't live it, my friends. You don't understand it. And you'll never be overwhelmed by the wisdom of God if you never put it into practice in your life. Why ought you to study the Bible? Seems like we might have answered that question already, but it's in my notes, so we're going to go there anyway. I think we got some good stuff here, friends. I'm going to give you a list of reasons why you ought to be studying the Bible. First reason, in Luke 11:28. Jesus says, and he said these things. As he was saying these things, Jesus is preaching. There was a woman who bursts into the crowd. She knows what it's like to appreciate the word of God. She's hearing these words from Jesus, these, these truths that are being passed out, this hope that is being given. And she bursts out and says this, Oh, blessed is the woman that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. I mean, wow, what a blessed mom you, you must have. I mean, people told me that. all. I told my mom that all the time. It must be such a blessing to have him as a son. Okay, they didn't say that. They said, wow, you must be really patient. <laughs> but, but, but this woman is, is overwhelmed by what she's hearing. And listen to what Jesus says. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. 
You want to know who's really blessed in this world? It is the one who hears my words. That's not just, uh, you know, audio raves moving through the air and picking them up like a radio. The hearing is to receive them and act on them. It is those people, Jesus said, who are truly blessed. You want the blessings of God, my friends. Well, you're holding the answer in your hands. It is all there. It is all there. So you ought to be reading the Bible, friends, because you're cheating yourself out of the blessings if you're not. If you're not studying it, seeking understanding, being overwhelmed with appreciation for what God has said, you're missing out. And you know what else? You're going to be wiser. You read and you study the Bible and God gives you wisdom. Now remember, wisdom is not just knowledge. Again, the goal is not just knowing stuff. Wisdom is the appropriate use of knowledge. Wisdom is I know what to do and I know how to do it. And David, King David, wrote about this. You know what the longest chapter in the Bible is? Someone shout it. Psalm 119. I mean, it just doesn't end. It sounds like it should be its own book. You know, it's huge. And you know what Psalm 119 is all about? It's about the Word of God. David, what does David say about it? I just want to commend you to just read through that one chapter, maybe this afternoon, and see what it is that God says through his prophet David in writing these things out about the Word of God. But he says in verse 98 through 100, Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. And I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. Notice the emphasis is not just because I know them, because I'm living it out. And God gives wisdom to those who read and heed his word. So get in the word of God. Read it, study it for understanding so that you might live it out. And you will have insight, you will have wisdom beyond your years, beyond your position, beyond anything you can imagine. These are the words of God, my friend. Study them. You know what else David said? Another reason he reads and obeys the word of God is you'll be kept from sin. Early on in my Christian life, I heard these words, sin will keep you from this book. Sin will keep you from this book, but this book will keep you from sin. And that's what David says in 119, 9-11. He says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Word of God hidden in your heart, taken in through your eyes, mushed around in your thoughts, hidden away in your heart is what will prick at your conscience when you even begin to consider sin, rebellion against God. 
My friends, it is the Word of God that keeps us from sin. The Spirit of God, using the Word of God and the life of the child of God, conforming him to the character of the Son of God. That's how it works. And so you'll be blessed as you study the Word of God. You'll be wiser as you live this out. You'll be kept from sin. And my friends, you'll begin to see the world as God sees it. You will begin to see the world. You will begin to think the thoughts of God. The Spirit of God will bring these to memory as you find yourself in various circumstances. And you will see them in light of what God sees them. You will look at people the way God sees them. You will look at yourself the way God sees you. It will change your whole perspective. And then here in Psalm 119 and 165, look at that, verse 165. It's a long one, my friends. We find that we will have peace. Those who are studying the Word of God and living out the Word of God, those are the ones who have peace. David says, great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Nothing can make them stumble. You know what peace is? Peace is the possession of adequate resources. Regardless of what you face, when you realize what you have available to you, you will have peace. It reminds me of this old Charlie Brown Peanuts comic. You know, boy, look at the rain. What if it floods the whole world? Lucy's all concerned. And there's Linus over there. Well, it'll never do that. In the ninth chapter of Genesis, God promised Noah that it would never happen again. And the sign of the promise is the rainbow. You all knew that, right? Well, Lucy says, well, you've taken a, a great load off my mind. And his response, sound theology has a way of doing that. And all he means by theology is just knowing what God has said and believing it. Peace, my friend, comes to those who study it and live it out. And so here we are left with this very important question, how? How can I study the Bible? I, I've not gone to seminary. Friends, you don't need to go to seminary to study the Bible. And by the way, you know what they're doing in seminary? They're studying the Bible. You can do it here and save a whole bunch of money. And there's no relocation cost, okay? My friends, how should we study the Bible? First and foremost, before you crack the Bible open, you ought to be in prayer. You need to ask that God's Spirit will enable you to understand what is being said, to be able to grasp. Think about it this way. You know how, you know what the gospel is? You believe that Christ died for a sin. He rose from the dead. He was born of a virgin. He created, did great miracles. You believe without a shadow of a doubt that all of these things are true. And yet there are people going, Nah. Look, no, you've got to believe this. I'm telling you, I've lived this out. I've tried it. I got promises in the Bible that say TP next to it. Tried and proved. I mean, God has said this and he has done it. And, and you have to just, you have to believe this. But they don't see it. 
and they can't see it. And do you know why they can't see it? Because seeing it is a matter of the Spirit of God opening eyes. That's true about salvation, my friends, and it's also true about the Word of God. My friends, you need to ask the Spirit of God to give you understanding. Paul in 1 Corinthians 2.14 said, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. I mean, they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Do you know what it means to be spiritual? To be a Christian means to be in a proper relationship with Christ. To be spiritual is to be in a proper relationship to the Spirit. Open to, submitted to, empowered by. To get all that you will get out of the Scripture, you must, must be prepared for the Spirit of God and willing and asking for Him to open your eyes. Spiritually discerned. Read about the Bible before you read the Bible. Think about that. This is great advice. I read a book a long time ago called How to Read a Book. It's an interesting, engaging title, but it simply meant this. There are some great advantages if you will take these steps before you even begin to read a book. To learn some things about the author, to learn some things about where this book is heading. I mean, we do that perhaps before we buy. What's this book all about before I start reading it? I mean, you think about practicing that in light of, you know, reading the scriptures. You might say, I'd like to read about the gospel of John. Oh, what can we know about John's gospel? We might say, oh, John's gospel, that's the book of the sevens. We've got the seven sermons, and we've got the seven signs, and we've got the seven testimonies that Jesus is God. And so this isn't a very evangelistic book. I mean, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you would have life in his name. And see how helpful it is to know why John's writing as you read it? So that you might become aware of what he's doing. Read about it before you start reading. You know, what's, what's the context historically, culturally? What's going on at the time? You know, if I'm reading a book on the Civil War and they don't tell me it's happening during the Civil War, that's going to be confusing, no, go with the M4. No, get the big guns. What's he using a, a musket for here, you know? I mean, the context means everything. It helps us interpret what's going on. Learn as much as you can. You know, if you've got yourself a good translation, I'll bet you even if you were to turn the Gospel of John, there's probably a couple of paragraphs in front of it. Give you a little background on who this Gospel writer is. You know, when it was written, under what circumstances were they written? And who was the audience? I mean, who was he writing it to? Were, were they lost? Were they believers? Were they believers, you know, who were being persecuted? And they were, you know, part of the diaspora dispersed because of persecution. Were they hurting? Were they happy? Were they, you know, all of these things will help you understand what you're reading. And so I highly recommend that you read about the book before you read the book. Learn that historical, cultural, contextual issues of the book. Who's the author? Why did they write it? To whom did they write? 
And how about this one? What kind of literature am I reading? Yeah. I mean, is this poetry? You know, if it's poetry, you're going to read it different than you are if it's a gospel, if it's a letter. How about Paul's letter? You know, you read Paul's letter. I mean, by the way, that's a great thing. How about this new year, you just start studying Paul's letters? You know, or maybe I'm just going to be a gospel person here. I want to center in the gospels. There's more I need to learn in these things. But learn some things about the context. Who are these people? Who are they writing to? It'll answer a lot of questions, my friend. What kind of literature? If it's history, if it's poetry, if it's letter, it all makes a difference in how you should understand it. And then do it strategically. Maybe read the Bible strategically. You know, it, it is not... You know how difficult it is to start in Genesis in January and be done reading the Bible because, you know, Leviticus is just too hard in February? I mean, the frustration, what does this mean? I can't possibly comprehend this. I'm done with it. And then you walk away beating yourself up over it. I mean, friends, there's a lot of ways to study the Bible. Maybe get yourself a running start into uh, March, you know? Again, look at sections. You know, I just want to read John. I'm going to read his Gospels. I'm going to read his letters. I'm going to make some observations through here and see what the Spirit of God will lead me to. And maybe that's a great question. God, what is it that you would like me to study here in the weeks to come? Wow, we should have done a sermon on prayer. We did, didn't we? Yes. Start it off with prayer, my friends. And then, by the way, sandwich it with prayer. And after you've read it, maybe talk to God about it and how it's going to fit in your life. But do it strategically. The Gospels, Paul's letters, Old Testament history, maybe just study some characters in the Scripture. You know, one of the easy ones is Joseph. Joseph's a great character, you know, 37 to 50. Make some observations about the decisions he needed to make in his life, the kinds of opposition that he had in his life. My friends, take a look. Take a look at the persons or maybe just a concept. I want to know what the Bible says about love. I want to know what the Bible says about suffering. And what does the Bible say about growing old? What about the challenges to the youth? There are billions of topics that you could go into the Bible to study. And if you've got a computer, you can get some software, go online and find some free stuff. You know, you can, you can go crazy here. Learn all sorts of stuff about the Scriptures. So, my friends, study it. And here's another top. Study with others. You know, that's one of those great things about small group. And we'll just support this message with a little commercial message on small groups. If you're not in one, you're missing out. You know, and, and small groups, if you're not studying the Bible, you ain't doing it right. Open it up. One of the great things about studying with others is they will ask questions you never thought to ask. There's a whole lot of oh, moments. And think about that. And some perspectives. Their life is different than yours. They will see it from a perspective you never thought of. Studying with people is a great help. Oh, my goodness. Study alone. Study with others. But, my friends, study. And use some helpful tools while you're at it. I know Christmas is like 12 months away. You know, maybe start making a list for your birthday. 
Now, is that in December too? I don't know. You got an anniversary or something? Hey, save some bucks and buy some tools. You know, get yourself a good study Bible. This is the one I recommend. You can have your personal preferences, but in my personal opinion, the best study Bible out there is the ESV study Bible. I don't make any money off it. I didn't write any of it or not, but it is it is like this thick. And you know why it's that thick? There is so many good helps in there. So much good tools. Good, good, good understanding is in that ESV study Bible. Highly recommended. Highly recommended. There are others. Buy yourself a commentary. Commentary is, is kind of like watching a football game. You watch what just happened, and then a guy talks about exactly what just happened. You're like, yeah, that's true. But maybe it gives you some insight on it. You know, they changed the rule on that, and that's what a commentary does really well. It's about a person who maybe has studied a bit more than you or maybe a whole lot more than you. And they can help you with some of the cultural things and some of the, you know, just the, the, the stuff that you'll understand this better if you understand this other passage a little better, you know. It's, it's good stuff. It's called a commentary, you know. And they make all kinds of different commentaries, my friends. Some of them cost more than your vehicle, you know. But, uh, you know, look for some entry-level stuff. You want some help? Glad to help. But get yourself some tools. Get yourself some tools, my friends. All right, well, the whole thing has been application here. But I want to call you to a challenge here. Why don't you decide right now? I mean, like right now, right here, in your own mind and heart, study the Bible or not. Are you in or are you out? I mean, hopefully I've made a good case of why you ought to be doing it, friends. It'll change your life, I guarantee it. And it won't take a year to get you there. And I'll bet you by the six-month mark, people are already starting to talk about you. You're different. What's different about you? Let the Word of God and the Spirit of God use the Word of God to change you from the inside out. You in or you out? Decide. Now determine when and where. I recommend connecting it with that prayer time you set up last week. You remember that? How's that going? A time and a place to connect with God. And then dig in. Get at it. Don't talk about it. Don't worry about it. Begin. Begin with prayer and end with prayer. When I was in high school... I was in a class where we, we had these regular quizzes. I mean, we just assumed when we came in that there was potentially a quiz. And it was all about what we talked about the, the day before. And this particular the morning, you know, the teacher says, we're going to take a quiz. And we're like, okay, you know, put your stuff away and you got your pencil. And, you know, as the, uh, the papers are being passed out, the teacher says to us, you know, make sure you read this all through. You know, good, good test prep stuff. You know, read it all through, know what's going on. You ever learn how the answer to this one can be found in this problem over here? Just read it all through before you start. You know, so, you know, we, we know how this stuff goes, and we know it's timed, and we better get rocking on it. Start working through, and, you know, and, 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 you know, somewhere about a quarter of the way through, one by one, people started getting up and handing in their quiz, 
I hate people like that, you know, because I'm struggling. How do they know the answers? And then you're thinking, nah, they just aren't very smart. That's why they're <laughs> they just gave up, you know. And then as if in unison, everyone groans. There was this chorus of, ah, throughout the room. Yeah, it seems like the, the last problem just said, don't answer any of these questions. Put your name at the top right of the paper and hand it in. That's a lot of work. Wasted. One day, you will stand before Jesus. One day, your life will be seen in the perspective of his eyes. And one day, if you don't get on this stuff, you might be standing there going, what I could have done with my life, what I should have done with my life. Get at it, friends. Get at it. Study the Word of God.